This is part three of the series on Hosea. And before I believe that we go any further, I think it's necessary that we clarify and underscore a very significant point which needs attention. That is the mistaken belief in the church world, while it is recognized that God's New Testament church is not comprised of a building or denominational grouping, they have largely been taught and believe the church is the new bride of Christ, essentially replacing Yahweh's Old Testament people, called Israel, with a New Testament people predominantly believed to be believers and or Christians, essentially the church. However, this has always been and still is incorrect. It is incorrect for this biblical reason. The relationship between the risen Christ, which is Yahweh in the flesh, and his people is not a New Testament theology or doctrine, but remains the same relationship recorded for millenniums in the Old Testament. The careless regard of who biblical Israel is, is the cause of the theology or doctrine. This message is going to center in on the actual physical betrothal of Israel with Yahweh, Israel's subsequent divorce, and Israel's again being betrothed unto the Messiah, Yahweh in the flesh. Ask any professing Christian today, when did Yahweh betroth Israel to be his wife? The answer will be, generally not known. They may have some understanding that there is some marriage connotation between Israel and Yahweh, but most will not consider it literal, perhaps, rather mostly a figure of speech or even metaphorically and possibly even a spiritual marriage in some respect. For the most part, this will be an introductory part of the message for many who may not understand and know these biblical truths. In the book of Genesis, chapter 26, beginning at verse 23, you will find a story recounting an incident where God appears to Isaac. Then you'll carry through into chapter 27 and into chapter 28. And in chapter 28, beginning at about verse 10, you'll find a dream that Jacob has. You'll learn about Jacob's labor for his wife Rachel. And at chapter 30, you'll find that there are a number of sons born to Leah and Rebekah, both of whom are wives of Jacob Israel. Let's now pick up the story with Jacob at chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he had prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And I'll stop there. This is a very important scripture where Jacob's name has been changed to Israel. He has power, the scripture says, with God and with men, and has prevailed. This, therefore, means he prevails with God. 
and that is the name meaning of Israel. Going forward just a couple of more chapters to chapter 35 at verse 10, we find this recorded. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall thy name be called. And his name was called Israel. Since our study centers in on specific events concerning Israel, we are going to skip some more of the biblical record in the book of Genesis. We're going to now embark on a specific part of this study about Israel's betrothal, marriage, and rebetrothal to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, since this study centers in on the betrothal, marriage, and rebetrothal of Yahweh with his people Israel. We're going to now move forward in time and specifically get into that part of the subject. Any Bible student can simply look up the definitions for the word espouse or betroth. Betroth in Hebrew is number 781. It is aras and it's equivalent to espouse. There is also number 3259 at times, which is Yaod, and it means to fix, appoint, agree, or to designate. So what you have in both betrothed and the use, word usages in 781 and 3259 is to fix or appoint, agree, designate. So this is to agree or appoint and designate to betroth. The definitions that you see under this, first of all, is to betroth man or woman. Secondly, to be betrothed. And also, number 3423 in the Greek, as in Matthew 118, and number 718 as Second Corinthians 11.2. So, there should be no misunderstanding that should exist regarding what the term and what the word in both Hebrew and Greek means. So let's begin with the God of Jacob Israel conveying his understanding of the betrothal and agreement at Mount Sinai. We can find that at Exodus 24 and Exodus 34 predominantly. We will not go to those scriptures. We understand that most Bible students would already have some sense and understanding of that Mount Sinai agreement and covenant. We're going to now go to Jeremiah chapter 2 and see how God viewed this relationship. Jeremiah 2.2 says, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. End quote. Now, that tells you a little bit about God's feeling about this relationship and the situation that had developed there at Mount Sinai. Key words here are the wilderness when they went after him and how he liked the kindness of their youth, the love of their espousal. In this passage of scripture, the word youth cross-references to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, 22, and 60, and chapter 23, verse 3, 8, and 19. Also, 
Hosea 2.15. For the sake of time, we won't go to these scriptures individually, but all of them are lamenting the changed condition from the youthful espousal and the reference to the wilderness. Additionally, the reference to wilderness cross-references to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, a reference to their 40 years in the wilderness, when they lacked nothing, and he provided all of their needs, nurturing his bride with love. And so this is clearly the people of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons who became known as the Israelites. From this biblical record, it is clear that from the days of the time in the wilderness, God was husband to Israel. This makes Israel Yahweh's wife. Twelve sons were considered Israel. Yahweh told Moses that this marriage covenant at Sinai would be broken by his wife. Incidentally, this scripture is often missed by many, and we read Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 15 and 16. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me, and break my covenant which I have made with them. My anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? Quote. I read one more scripture there, and that was verse 17. Now, a number of incidences of disobedience were indeed recorded, and during Solomon's reign, disobedience again developed. A division was caused by God of the twelve tribes, that is, the twelve sons of Israel. Now, thirteen, as Joseph has passed his blessing on to Ephraim and Manasseh. They are still thought of, however, as the united kingdom of the twelve tribes of Israel. At this period of time, this division is recorded in First Kings chapter 11. And let's read verses 30 and 31. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servants David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. The purpose for this division is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 11, and it begins about verse 1, I guess, continues on, and at verse 9, the Lord says this, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord, God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. He commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in the days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son David my servant, for my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, 
which I have chosen. Later on in the chapter, at verse 30 and 31, we have another confirmation, and it reads, And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten paces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. Dropping down to verse 34, Howbeit I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it unto thee even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light alway before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desires, and shall be king over Israel. This is the period in biblical history where you have a division of the united twelve tribes of Jacob Israel. Ten of those tribes were going to continue to be known as the tribes of Israel. And two sons, Benjamin and Judah, became known as the house of Judah after this division. It is critically important that the student of the word understand this. Additionally, one should understand, while the tribes now have their separate designations, which are used by God, yet they also may be referred to at different times and in different contexts as Israel as a whole. Judah, or the house of Judah itself, cannot ever be construed as all Israel. Both the house of Israel and the house of Judah under various leaderships fell into disobedience in their relationship and covenant with God, and prophets were set unto both houses with proclamations of their sin and disobedience, calls for repentance and to return from their wayward ways back to their husband. Second Kings 17 and 18 records that God delivered the house of Israel into the hand of the Assyrian. But treacherous Judah feared not, and went and played the harlot also. The book of Dan, chapter 1, records the captivity of Judah at the hands of Babylon. After 70 years of exile in Babylonian captivity, Jeremiah 29.10, Ezra 2, and Nehemiah 7 record... A return to Jerusalem was made, and only descendants of the house of Judah returned at this time, as recorded by the genealogical record there. These divisions of the united house of Israel and the prophecies relating to both are fundamentally necessary to a complete understanding of the destinies of these people. Each prophet distinctly showing and recording God's controversy with the people. The prophet Isaiah tells us, For thy maker is thy husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. Remember the words of Deuteronomy that we spoke just about briefly at Deuteronomy 31:15-16, where the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. Again, as these separate prophets prophesied to the people, a clear indication of the relationship is revealed. 
Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 32 Can a maid forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me, days without number. Jeremiah 3 verse 20 Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. Ezekiel 16.32 But as a wife that commits adultery which takes strangers instead of her husband. Despite the relationship descending into abject necessity for dissolution, Yahweh pleads with his wife, pleads with his people for reconciliation. Hosea chapter 3 verse 1 says, Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. Jeremiah 3 verse 1 This is the second part of that verse. But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, says the Lord. Jeremiah 3 verse 14 Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Joel chapter 1 verse 8 Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. So critical is the state of marriage and infidelity to the marriage covenant that God puts away Israel only with a bill of divorce. Jeremiah 3 8 And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away, and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Isaiah 50 verse 1 Thus says the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves and for your transgression is your mother put away. Here at Isaiah 51, he asked Judah, Where is her bill of divorce? And is therefore rhetorically asking, Well, why are you acting so footloose and fancy-free as your sister Israel? Now God, through the prophet Hosea at 2.2, uses the children to metaphorically plead with the mother to change and put away the whoredoms that made the husband to disclaim her as his wife and husband. And I quote, And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. End quote. All of Ezekiel 23 should additionally be read to more fully understand the extent of the disobedience and the nature of the treatment by God. Isaiah 54.1 is of importance as well as it records the house of Judah as the married wife was more in number than Israel and that she was still married. So now what we have seen is the betrothal, the marriage, and now we are about to see a beautiful plan of God to betroth Israel to him again. She is an adulteress. Hosea chapter 2 verse 19 and 20 records, quote, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. Thou shalt know the Lord. End quote. Isaiah 62 verse 5. 
For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoice over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. End quote. So we've now seen the betrothal, the marriage. And now this beautiful plan of God to betroth Israel to himself again is in full bloom. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 1 says, They say, If a man put away his wife, she goes from him and becomes another man's. Shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? End quote. Deuteronomy 24.1 states the law. Quote, when a man has taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he has found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that she is defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. End quote. But how can this be possible? We just read Hosea 2.19 where it was said that he was going to betroth thee unto him again forever. He was going to betroth her unto him in righteousness and in faithfulness. And Isaiah 62.5 told us that he is going to rejoice over the bride. Well, with God, all things are possible. And Christ said at Matthew 15.24 I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This clearly indicates that Christ had a specific plan, a specific intention that he came for. In the Gospels of Luke and John, we are able to understand the reference to the bridegroom more readily, as a bridegroom is soon to be a husband. Let's go there. Luke chapter 5, verse 34 and 5. Quote, and he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast, while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. End quote. John chapter 3, verses 29 and 30. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, is therefore fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. End quote. John chapter 10, verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. End quote. John chapter 11, verse 52. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. John chapter 7, verse 35. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? End quote. Now for additional scriptures regarding this indication of the sheep that Christ came for, can be found in Ezekiel 12.15, chapter 36.19, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12, chapter 27, verse 12 and 13, 
and Zephaniah 3.10, James 1.1, and 1 Peter 1.1. In the book of Hosea, we find this. Hosea chapter 8, verse 8, and I read, Israel is swallowed up, and now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. End quote. Also, one should read Deuteronomy 4, verse 27 and 8, Deuteronomy 28:64, Jeremiah 50, verse 17, Isaiah 61, 9, Jeremiah 16:13 to 15, and Ezekiel 11:16. What we have now is a very condensed understanding of the biblical record concerning Israel the division of the tribes of Israel into two houses, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. We have clearly identified scriptures promising to bring them back at Hosea 2.7.19.20 and Isaiah 62.5. We have seen the record that there were dispersed into other nations in which they believed and they understood that he might go and speak to them, he meaning Christ. For further reading about the promise to bring these scattered together, read Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 1 to 5, Isaiah chapter 11, 10 to 13, and chapter 27 verse 12, chapter 43, 5 to 7. Additionally, Jeremiah 3, 12 to 15, Amos 9, 9, Ezekiel eleven seventeen, and Ezekiel 37. The Apostle Paul clearly identifies his understanding of this great mystery. Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 quote, Know you not, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to that law, by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Betrothed as a virgin to Christ, the apostles now set out on a course to make Israel, first, spotless by the blood of the Lamb, buried with him in our act of baptism, and to go and do no more evil, to put off the old ways and clothe ourselves in the righteousness of Christ. This is the great mystery that Paul spoke of in Ephesians 5.32 and chapter 3 verses 4 to 6. This is the great mystery, the death, burial, and resurrection, the betrothal, marriage, and re-betrothal, now married to the Lamb. I trust this message in the betrothal, marriage, and re-betrothal will prove edifying to those with ears to hear.